0: Hey guys, welcome to the Hero Academy podcast—the place where you can celebrate and highlight our frontline heroes. People such as nurses, firemen, EMS, police officers, and military are all heroes without capes. I don't care about politics; only positivity and purpose. I only care about those that have chosen to serve our society. I believe in collaboration over competition. Here, you'll learn the secrets and strategies that let ordinary people become extraordinary inside of their purpose. Sometimes we'll throw in some simple side hustles that everyday regular people are doing, things that you could do to make some extra money, especially if you're starting to think about retirement and what's next. Inside this podcast, each week you'll learn from people like you that work working full-time but still found the time to create a course, grow a big team, create a coaching program, a large audience, or a profitable side hustle. The steps they took, their backstories, and how they overcame their burnout that they were facing. The perfect blend of mindset and techniques, carpe diem, now let's get your dream lit for your freedom. I'm your
1: host and coach, Super Dave. Let's go. Called every police department in the state of Utah. Um, Just pitching, I have an eight-hour course on communication relations to help reduce the effects of PTSD and reduce divorce and suicide okay and so that's how I started and it, I did that for almost two years and wow. I and I reached out to Nevada Arizona Idaho Colorado all and the then you sh-
0: started you started uh, spreading out to drivable areas
1: yeah and anyway so I got I finally got uh, taught twice in November once in December four times in January and then COVID hit in February and wiped me out. And I, I got this agent. She got me booked at seventeen places in seven states. And COVID wiped them all out.
0: How did? Uh, how'd you find her?
1: Um, I actually talked to a guy that um, runs training for the police department I used to work at, and he gave me her name.
0: Oh, you got to hook me up with her. Yeah, uh, yeah she's, a, have... she's. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: No, she's a great lady.
0: I was gonna say I have uh, two. I have one agent currently, but I have to pay them a lot of money. It's a, it's an agency
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, they do 25 outreaches a month. And um, then I have another agent who will work on commission, but he's brand new and he's just kind of learning the field. Yeah. So, so, so. I, w- I would like to meet her.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, I will get you. She, she does a great job and she's, um, like Sam, I'm, I'm going to be in February or February 2nd and 21st in Illinois. Um, my, my son moved to Illinois last year. So I'm going to go stay with him for two weeks in between Okay. and help him out. Cause he was, uh, injured in Afghanistan pretty severely, uh-huh. oh, And man. so uh, that'll give me a chance to go help him out. Cause he's not local anymore. Okay but uh yeah that's she she gets me two or three a year um and i'm hoping things are starting to loosen up because between COVID and then between all the um police departments being short with all the crap that's going on in our country um it's been tough yeah i actually have an agent in vegas but he hasn't done anything for me yet and he's you know he he deals with uh really high highfalutin people okay you know, i was hoping maybe he'd give me a couple of keynotes a year because that would fund my rest the whole rest of my year right but um you know i'm still working on that one
0: <laughs> uh, do, you, do you know exactly how many talks you've given did you did you me? ever add it up yeah
1: um <laughs> i never really have probably on this subject i've probably done this 20 or 30 times
0: it's um it's good to know the number so you can market the number okay So you can use it in your marketing so you can say i've given this talk uh dozens of times and then after dozens it'll be hundreds of times and uh to x amount of audiences so i i've spoken to over a thousand people on this topic or you know thousands of people whatever the number is for you um yeah so i uh I'm also speaking in March at a business show, which is not my typical audience. Typically, I speak to first responders. yeah, but I'm speaking at a business show, which is a pretty big opportunity because uh it's the biggest show that they they market it as the biggest show in, in uh in in business for the entire year. so that's in Miami, and I just bought my plane ticket before we hopped on. Nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that because uh, I'm in New York, and I like to get out of New York during the winter.
1: <laughs> I that's my plan to head south, but it never seems to happen. Instead of Arizona, I'm going to <laughs> going to Illinois. <laughs> Do you go to Arizona a lot. My dad lives down there.
0: We love Phoenix and Sedona. We love- yeah,
1: I love Sedona. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I have a lot of friends that were former Phoenix cops. Okay, man, that is a wild town.
0: Oh my god! It really, it really is. It really is. But it's not. um, It's such a mixture of you have you have people that have come up from through Mexico. Yeah. Then you have then you have your college crowd, and and then you got your
1: retirement crowd. You
0: got your retirement crowd, and then you have your super wealthy crowd. So it is. It is a wild. Oh, and then you got you can't forget the hippies. You got all the hippies.
1: (laughs) Yep. Yeah, it's a it's a mi- interesting mix. I actually go down there twice a year, or not twice a year, every other year. Um, I do a martial arts belt review down there every other year. What,
0: st- what style did you study?
1: Uh, Shaolin Shuan Fa or Iron Fist? It's Kung Fu.
0: I grew up on Kung. Well, I love every martial art, right? Yeah. Let me preface that, but I grew up watching all of Bruce Lee's movies and and all of the uh, badly dubbed kung fu flicks yeah and, and, and i was subscribed to black belt magazine and so i grew up in the 80s when i was a kid so i grew up in the 80s uh, just soaking up every martial art that i could <laughs> especially especially kung fu um once i got on to the job I knew that I wanted to train in something, so my first style was kempo. Yeah, but I absolutely—I tell everyone that I absolutely hated the katas, uh, the the kat, and and I know in kung fu there's forms, but there's not necessarily katas at like uh, karate has.
1: Yeah, it's a little different.
0: It's a little different, um, but I was doing katas and it felt like cheerleading, and <laughs> I would just get—I got so sick of it—and my instructor absolutely. Hated anything that had to do with grappling. He was oh. purely, purely a stand-up guy, and because um, he came from the corrections world, I looked up to him so much. Yeah, and I had no desire to ever go in corrections, but I really, really looked up to him because he was on the job and I wasn't yet. I was uh, about to go into the the PD, and I was training because I wanted to. You know, I just wanted to be proficient and not be scared. So so uh, I trained that for almost like two and a half years. And um, anytime I brought up anything with the ground, like he just, he didn't believe in jujitsu at all. And I was a big fan of the UFC and uh, Hoist Gracie. So when that happened in 1993... Uh, I was already a huge fan of the UFC and and, and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I remember – I don't remember what year it was that I got turned on to the UFC because I know I've been a fan from the beginning, but I don't remember what year I caught wind yeah. of it. Because you remember it used to be on uh, VCR, VHS? Yeah. <laughs> and you had to know somebody that had the tape or you had to find it in Blockbuster when they had Blockbusters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so yeah so I was a massive fan of martial arts my whole entire life and um my neighbor was a county wrestling champion so I used to mess around with him all the time and um oh and he was so he was so good at the takedowns and I remember I brought so make a sh- long story short I stopped doing kempo and founded jiu-jitsu school and my first question to my instructor was, are there any kata's in jiu-jitsu? Because <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> and, he's like, and he's like, no, there's no kata's. I'm like, all right, sign me up. <laughs> and I brought, I brought my friend who uh, his head was swollen because he was a county champion. And he's like, I'm a national champion. He uh, rolled with my instructor and my instructor put him in a triangle choke in like less than 30 seconds. Like he just went to his back, wrapped his legs around his neck. And threw him into a triangle choke. And and he, and he had him tapping out. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is my style. I love this. Yep.
1: I'll tell um, you, the best thing that sorry. any any cop can have had in their experience is wrestling. Yes. Because every fight, and I've been in a few, ended up on the ground. Every one of them.
0: Yeah, you don't want it to go there. And, nope. if, you can, and if you can dictate. Now, I know from watching UFC and also from grappling myself that you don't want to be on the bottom. So you you should train to know how to take someone down or if they're falling on top of you know how to do a lateral drop so that you can you can rotate and not land on the bottom and um or or be able to reverse the position really quickly if you need to um was that style your whole life did you study that style? Just say it one more time what it was.
1: Yeah, it's uh, kung Shaolin, Schwan Far, Iron Fist, Kung Fu. Yeah, and and we actually did groundwork and stuff, so it was good. Um, in fact, I still I still do it. Um, you know, I'm probably the oldest student in there now.
0: <laughs> I um, I still to this day I have to uh, I have to retire and I need more time. I, I want to learn dance. I want to learn how to dance like uh, like a young. I'm almost fifty, not quite yet, but I want to learn how to dance like uh, twenty-year-old dancing. Style. You know, I want to go to class. I don't want to go to the little kid class because I yeah too embarrassed. But I want to learn how to dance, and I also want to learn Wing Chun. Wing Chun yeah. since uh, since watching Ip Man the movie, the the Ip Man movies, uh, Wing Chun has always been my dream. But Iron Fist any kind of Kung Fu. I, I just, I love it. And uh, have you ever been to Asia?
1: Not yet. I actually was supposed to go last year and I ended up having not being able to go. Okay. Um, yeah. We were going to do the Philippines, Japan, the Philippines, Vietnam and Cambodia. And then I ended up not going. So okay. I uh, think, uh,
0: I think if you can reschedule that and just like pencil it into the calendar, I think it would, uh, I think you would really, really love it. I think you'd benefit from it because uh, I brought my gi. I went to Japan and I brought my gi with me Uh and and I found a school and I went and trained jujitsu for like two and a half hours. I did like back-to-back classes at a Japanese BJJ school. I was looking (laughs) for a traditional Japanese jujitsu school, but where I was in Tokyo, I couldn't find any traditional schools. And it's probably, I just didn't know how to search properly, but I couldn't find any traditional school. So I went to a BJJ school and I, uh, I, I just loved it, but <laughs> um, I don't train anymore because I had so many injuries and yeah. I, I like going to the gym and I like, I like feeling whole and healthy.
1: <laughs> well, and the physical part is such a, a, basic part of life. If you're, if you're out of it, I'm, I'm not in great shape right now, but I'm okay. Especially if, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm well over 50. Let's put it that way. (laughs) And, uh, but when I'm in shape, I feel better. And when I feel better, I'm more productive and I'm more active, you know? And so that's kind of, I keep, that's why I I do the martial arts still. And I, um, I go twice a week to train.
0: Now the iron fist, it sounds like a hard style. It sounds like you're hitting, you're hitting trees with your fist. (laughs) It's not, no, it sounds very hard on the body
1: no actually we're it's we're not doing that but okay. um but yeah it starts off real hard and then it softens as you go because you become more efficient okay and it's almost um uh, now that I'm I'm into the higher ranks um and it there's a it's it's a lot softer okay in the movement. In yes. the end result, it's not softer. Because, <laughs> yes. uh, you know, it's, it's not quite Tai Chi, but it's uh, going that way a little bit as far as movements. Yes. But then the end result is it, painful.
0: <laughs> okay. All right.
1: You know, it's a combination, and that's what we've learned. We start a hard, firm form, um, da-da-da-da, almost karate-esque. Mm-hmm. But then as you become more efficient, the movements, they shift a little bit. And now I don't have to pound you to break an arm. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, oh, I, if I push here, it's broken.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, so it's, it's I, I love the evolution and it actually is kind of the evolution of my life. So it, let's
0: talk about your career. Um, okay. How, how many years did you do and uh, when did you retire?
1: 26 years. Um, I was a police officer, patrol and de- uh, detective for eight years, and then I retired from one department in 2010, and I tra- a, I transitioned over to the transit police. Okay. In 2010, and I worked there till 2016. That was a whole different wild ride.
0: <laughs> so, when you say transit, were you um, at like uh, bus stations, or were you on trains?
1: Both. Oh cool. Both yeah. Yeah, our the train system here covers like seven counties. Okay. And and so we never knew where we were going to be until we got to work.
0: Wow, that's and, cool.
1: Yeah, and it so it was fun, but a whole different clientele. Yes. A whole a whole different clientele and uh um you know cuz we had everything from the homeless to the business people to yes. drug addicts to I mean everything in between
0: yeah, when I was in the NYPD, i didn't I never got to graduate, but that transit was my first choice. I didn't want to uh, I didn't, mainly because I didn't want to be in a housing project somewhere, and I didn't want to be on the street in January directing traffic at a car accident. So um I figured if I went to transit, um, they'd put me in plain clothes pretty quickly. I, I know that a lot of them do get into... They do want a uniform presence, but they also put a lot of their guys in plain clothes pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's... it's Like I say, that's a whole different realm. <laughs> I got in more fights in six years there. Well, as many fights. I won't say more as I did in 20 years at the other department, <laughs> which was a suburb of Salt Lake City.
0: Okay, I've never been... Uh, it's funny because... I've never been to Utah, and um, we were looking at staying there um, maybe next year, 2025. Um, I I think I'll – I told you before we started recording that I've been to Arizona a bunch. Yeah. Uh, I went to Colorado. We'll probably go back to Colorado, but uh, we like to hike, my girl and I. Oh, so, yeah. And I, I know that Utah has a lot of – natural uh national parks right yes five yeah yeah Utah's big for that so um I'm not sure where my timeshare is I I have a timeshare with Wyndham so uh they have a property somewhere I have to check the book but uh somewhere in Utah there's a property and uh you'll have to tell us like what's the closest national parks like I know there's there's so many they're easy to get to too
1: yeah, they are. I actually live down in southern Utah, I built our dream home down there and um, we were my front yard or I'm sitting on my front porch. And I'm looking at Zion's National Park. It's uh, incredible, which was beautiful. And, I want to go there. So, yeah, that's that's kind of a must do, um, yes. but it gets really crowded. So it depends on the time of the year you go.
0: OK, um, I wouldn't go when there's snow on the ground
1: no 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 yeah
0: no i definitely wouldn't do that but um i I would think anytime from may to september october it's probably really busy right
1: uh definitely june july and august are may not as much but yeah um and then it starts to slow down once school starts so late september october is not too bad
0: Okay. All right. So I'll probably shoot for May or September. I think September is like the most incredible weather. How cold does it get in Utah?
1: Oh, in September it's like um well, it depends. If you're a Zion's it's going to be in the 60s, maybe 70s cuz you're on the Arizona border. Okay. Um or if but if you're up here, you're still in September, you're still in the 50s and 60s. Okay. Yeah, September, October, beautiful time of year. In fact, you might even be in the seventies here um, uh, okay. up by Salt Lake. So, yeah, that's it's still good weather. It doesn't get bad. It didn't cool down this year until um, end of November, and okay. now, it's, now it's in the forties.
0: Okay. So yeah, it's still. You, cool. It's um, the thing that we noticed about Arizona, and I imagine it's the same for, and it was the same for Colorado. You guys have these massive weather shifts, like it could be seventy during the day and thirty five forty degrees at night,
1: yeah, that's what we're doing right now. It's you know it's thirty degrees at night, but in the daytime it's forty five degrees, okay, and right now, and I mean for December, that's unusual yeah. but yeah you know, we haven't we haven't had any bad weather yet, so <laughs>
0: Uh, our, our, um, careers are almost exactly, I, uh, was a street cop, almost exactly the same for, uh, 17 years and detective for eight years now, um, still active, but, uh, the near, the the end is near.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Fingers crossed. Um, what did, did you have any like
1: favorite assignments? Um, You know, I back early on. I was the like one of the very first to do uh, community oriented policing. Um, I had a sergeant that was pushing that, and uh, so he picked me, and uh, so I was. I really enjoyed that a lot. but I hate it. I got tired of going to all these meetings. You know, you had your business advisory groups and your school advisory groups and your yes. hotel advisory groups, and and so I was in meetings a lot, and I didn't like that part of it. But I was
0: in that uh, I was in that unit for ten years. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: I tell everyone I stayed too long, but you know what? When I was in that unit, I was in uh, I was doing network marketing, mm-hmm. and I know there's a lot of network marketing companies in Utah uh that the out of utah yeah so i was doing uh network marketing so i was using it as an opportunity to get people's phone numbers and network with business owners and 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 successful people so i was using it as an opportunity to network but yeah. i tell everyone that i stayed in that unit for way too long
1: yeah i mean for me it was so new because this was back in uh when was this 92 okay and this first time ever trying it and I'll tell you what it works it works if you do it yeah and and put in the effort and I I I enjoyed that a lot because I got to go out and meet a lot of people and they weren't all criminals being arrested and doing things that um that and it it benefited me in the long run because every once in a while I get a phone call from somebody or if I had question I call somebody that I'd met and all of a sudden things came full circle and i was able to solve whatever it was the issue was
0: developing relationships
1: yeah well, and well that's what life is about yeah. is, um and that's what i i work at doing now is developing relationships they don't always um the effort out isn't always returned immediately but Absolutely. in the long run it's that's what life is about
0: yeah i'm hoping that we speak on a stage one day together um that's that would be ideal. What do you, what do you speak about?
1: Of communication yeah. relations, how to overcome trauma. And um I've actually adjusting a few because you know, part of the reason I lost, I don't know anybody that left the job because of the job.
0: Yep.
1: It's usually politics. Yep. And I got so tired of the politics, I went, you know what, I just one day I woke up and I looked at my wife. I had just gotten married, remarried, and I looked at my wife and I said, I'm done. I'm just I'm done. <laughs> And I went in and I, she says, okay. Um, And so everyone
0: knows, everyone knows when, when that day comes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I got married two weeks later, I retired the week later. I was on my honeymoon in Fiji. (laughs) And, uh, and since then I found out I like to write books and I'm actually pretty good at it. And uh,
0: what was, uh, what was book number one? What's the title? uh, Bridging the Gap. Bridging
1: the gap. An inside look at communication relations after trauma. Okay. And, uh, and so that was my first book. And I actually, you know, I haven't sold a ton, I've, but I've, I've got, it's out there. And people from California, I ran into a gal and she says, oh, I've heard about your book. And I went, I've not even been to California. What are you talking about? But, uh, you know, there's so many interesting stories. Like I had a condo in Florida and uh, I was sitting out in the hot tub, and these young kids came out, and they were talking, and, and we got talking about stuff, and one of them asked me what I did, and I told them, and, and I told them I was an author, and I'd written a book about trauma, and this kid scooted over, 22 years old, and he scooted over, and he says, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, let's talk, and he shared some stuff with me that, you know, he'd been traumatized. Yeah. And I, he says, can I get a copy of your book? I said, you know what? I've got one upstairs. I'm going to go. I went, signed an autograph, gave it to him. He says, you know what? I have 100,000 followers on, on uh, TikTok. I didn't even know what TikTok was.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And I, he says, I've got 100,000 followers on TikTok. I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to share it with people. And this girl in California sit, told me she'd heard about my book. I was sitting next to her on, an air, on a plane. And, and she goes, oh, I've heard of that. And I said, what did you hear about? it? Oh, TikTok. Wow. <laughs> so it's little things like that, that you, you never know.
0: You just never know.
1: So, you, you know. so, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, I get to share my keynote address story. <laughs> I, uh, I uh, put in to speak at the National Homeland Security Conference a couple of years ago. And there was a lot of miscommunication going on there. It was crazy. But I got accepted. Okay. And so the week before I'm supposed to go to Cleveland, um, which is where it was two years ago. Um, I, I get a call and I said, Well, first off, how how long is my presentation? Because I have an eight-hour version of the course. I have a four-hour workshop. And he goes, Oh, well, you got an hour. <laughs> I went, Oh. So I, I rewrote my everything, and so now I have a keynote, right, right. <laughs> a 50-minute keynote, and uh, that, but I, it, I got rave reviews, and I actually ended up with some really great contacts. I have friends in New York now, up by Niagara. I've got friends in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and friends down in uh, Arlington, Texas, and from that, and it was just a total blast. It was, I, that was a great experience.
0: Do you find that more agencies want you to do the keynote or they want you to do the uh four-hour workshop or like a full day like
1: Well what, the ones I have in Illinois have all been the 8-hour the full okay. hour. And what I'm actually doing now too is I um we just had a documentary that I'm in released um on the 28th um called um, Is There Something Going On at Home
0: with uh, Scott
1: Medlin. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so um so we're we're in that together and then um so i'm going to introduce that into my course also because it's 45 minutes and uh i can readjust some things and not talk so much which is better for the course probably
0: yeah no that's really cool um who approached you about the documentary idea
1: uh jason harney and deborah keys um the two that are in it yeah and Jason and I've been talking because my book, um, I was told by a producer <clears throat> or, or director in um, California that I should have my book made into a documentary. And so I, I found out about Jason, I researched and I talked, and I finally called Jason a couple of years ago and I talked to him about it and he read my book. He says, no, nah, you can't do a documentary with this. And I was I was kind of crushed. I'm going, OK, what do I do? He goes, oh, no, this needs to be a feature. Okay. So he and I are working on a script as we yeah, speak because awesome. I don't know how to do a script
0: <laughs> that's really really cool um what's the next book that you're working on now
1: um it's called a sacred right and it's a fiction about a Native American half Native American kid who goes to college loses touch with his culture and uh after graduating becomes a officer in Sioux Falls South Dakota uh, to be of service as a rookie cop, he runs into this underground group who, who is kidnapping and killing Native Americans, which is a is a legitimate problem. And so now he's dealing with this underworld group that's doing this. So he's undercover on the reservation where his grandfather's the chief, and investigating. <laughs> and so he, yeah, I just like I say I just got through uh, about two hundred and five pages now and by the time i'm done i figure it'll be close to 350 and uh he's gone through a couple of real big trials
0: okay i like it
1: yeah so it's uh anyway yeah it's been fun and that one will be the first of a five book series um he's working on all
0: you think you'll use all the same character
1: yeah yeah Um, right now he's a rookie cop but he's been placed on this state task force okay to help solve this crime. And and uh, and he just kind of stumbled onto it. Well, you know, he stumbled onto it because there was a credit card that was used at a hotel in his area. Okay. It didn't belong to the guy who used it. And as he tracked it back, found out it was a Native American guy from back east, um, one of the tribes in New Jersey that had gone missing. I and like that's goodness. how he stumbled in. Yeah, I like it. So now he's, you know, tying, yeah. Anyway, so he's getting back in touch with his culture and is going through some of the rituals that he had not gone through. And the big one's coming up.
0: (laughs) What's the biggest challenge that you find with uh, us sitting down and writing? Have you read the book, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield?
1: No, I have not.
0: Uh, It's a very famous book. Joe Rogan talks about it all the time. Um, It's about creators, writers, it's called The War of Art by okay. Stephen Pressfield, and, it, and it's it's about the resistance that comes up when it's time to sit down and do the work.
1: I I, I get to share a story with you. All right. <laughs> I had my first book done, um, edited, um, ready to go, and the publisher wanted the full manuscript. Mm-hmm. So I uh, sat there and I had to fill out the public the paperwork for the publisher, and all I had left was the last page, which was endorsements. Uh huh. And I this was in November, and I can't remember what year, probably uh, twenty twenty maybe, and um, and that's all I had. I had two endorsements. And they wanted three to five. And I I got looking at it in my mind. You know, the mind tries to protect you from failure. And my mind is going, oh, your endorsements aren't good enough. And you only have two. You need three or at least and maybe five and and going all this. And so I sat on it for six months.
0: Uh
1: I sat on it with that internal fear for six months. And finally, I woke up one day. uh, Man, you got 20 minutes worth of work. What are you doing? And I got up, and I used a little tool that I learned. It takes five seconds for your mind to come up with an objection. So I got up, said, I'm going to go finish this paperwork. Five, four, three, two, one, go. And I went down, and I got on the computer, and I did it. 20 minutes later, I was done. I hit send, sent it to the publisher. And this was on a Thursday. And I got a call on Friday. And he says, I'd like to talk with you in person. Here's some of the things. And they kind of went through the process and I was working. So my next day off was on uh, Wednesday because uh-huh. um, I, I had to work, uh, no, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It was on Tuesday. Um, so I got on a Zoom call with him on Tuesday and he says, here's what we're going to do. They meet once a week on Thursdays to see if they accept what books they're going to accept and things like that. Da-da-da. Went through the whole process. And I said, "Okay." He said, "I'm going to send you a sample contract. If they that way, you're familiar with it. If they do offer you a uh, to take your book, so I got there. And then on my next day off was Friday, because I I had Monday off. Work I don't now it's getting confused. But uh, on Friday I was out in my garage working, and I didn't have my phone with me. And um, I went back in. I had a message and a big long message, and um, it says." by the way, congratulations, they accepted your book. Instead of sending you a sample contract, I'm sending you the real thing. And, uh, you know, my internal fear delayed me six months. Ah,
0: yeah, Uh, I've experienced that myself.
1: Yeah, well, that's one of the biggest things I I realized as an officer, I live my life in fear, fear of doing the wrong thing, fear of failure, fear of letting somebody down or saying the wrong thing. And that is no way to live life
0: uh fear of being judged by others that you work with
1: yeah big that's time a big
0: that's a big one yeah fear of judgment yeah so you would definitely resonate with that book uh the war of art uh i i love it so much i got it on audible and i also have the, the uh paperback version sitting upstairs oh. up on my
1: bookstore. well i will order that today
0: yeah, it's it's uh it's really really good, and um I listen to it periodically, like every quarter or so, just to remind myself that uh, resistance to things that you want to do, it's just it naturally just pops up, and he he calls it the resistance.
1: Okay, well, and the, which is interesting because that's one reason in my courses that I teach, and even my keynote, I start with self accountability. Yes, because we can't change until we're self accountable. Yes and open honest, And that's what I've discovered is cops are great. They want to go blow things up and shoot things and get in fights and do that stuff. But when it comes to looking inside ourselves, we suck.
0: Did you start preparing for your writing and speaking before you retired? Or is this all, uh, did this all come to you post-retirement?
1: Um, I started preparing the speaking, um, actually, when i wrote my program it was kind of funny i was talking to a my um, i, I reti- actually is post retirement now um because i got married and then i no that was before i got married cuz i was still living at, i lived at my cabin by myself for 3 years and that's where a lot of this started um after i was got divorced and i had to mend myself because i realized i was kind of screwed up um you know i i uh, had ptsd and i I didn't talk about anything. Big mistake. Yeah. And and that's why communication is so near and dear to my heart. But while I was up there, I went through some trainings and went through some things to help me out. And I got to take a hard look at myself. I was sitting there one morning. I woke up at six o'clock a day off. I was 57 miles from work. So I got up early to go to work. But to this day, it was my day off. I woke up at six o'clock and man, I just had information coming into my head and I rolled over, grabbed a notebook and I wrote for four hours. I didn't even know what I wrote.
0: That's amazing.
1: And then I talked to my friend who's a counselor and I'd been talking to her about this class that I wanted to do because I wanted to keep other people from doing the same stupid stuff I did. And she looked at me and she goes, you're 60% done now finish it. After I had a struggle. I couldn't even read the writing. It was writing so fast I could barely read it. But as I read through it to her, she said, There you go, there's your program. <laughs> and so I truly believe in inspiration. Yes. And I truly know there's some situations where I could have been hurt really, really bad and somebody saved my tail.
0: You had a you had a guardian.
1: Yeah. And uh, or somebody or something, um, you know, and I, so I know there is a God, whether you want to call him Allah, Buddha, God, or whatever, it doesn't matter to me, because I know that there's, there's things out there. <laughs>
0: Glenn, Glenn, how, um, how can people find you if they want to like look you up or they want to get one of your books? Do you have a pen name or is it under your name?
1: It's under my name. And the book's Bridging the Gap. You have to put both in because on Amazon, there's a ton of Bridging the Gaps. Yes. And uh, let me grab something here. That's what it looks like.
0: Bridging the Gap. Okay.
1: And it's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And I found out Walmart and a whole bunch of other places that I wasn't aware of. Um, And so you can find it and I think it's on sale on Amazon right now for like 1495. Okay. Or something like that. It was last week anyway. Um, And all I ask is if, you know, you buy it and you read it, give me an honest review. That's all I
0: ask. Leave a review.
1: Yeah. Because um, I had some people that I have had issues with, get on there and trash me. And when you read the reviews, you kind of go, if you read the book and then read the reviews, you go, wait a minute, he talked about that or, you know, but, um, it is what it is. Um, like my publisher said, you can't have all fives.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My, uh, last five questions for you. Uh, I really appreciate you hopping on. What's your definition of a hero?
1: Somebody who pushes through in spite of fear, And it doesn't even have to be something heroic. It can only, it can even be making a decision, a simple decision that has an effect on their life or the life of others. And somebody who gives for the betterment of others.
0: I like it. When you're starting to feel like, uh, you're starting to feel some pressure and you're starting to feel some stress, how do you save yourself?
1: Breathe. I've heard that
0: one. I've heard that one before.
1: Yeah, I. Uh, it's kind of funny when I teach my classes, I'll ask people, how many of you meditate? Nobody will raise their hand. And then I'll ask, how many of you are in SWAT or a specialized response team? And a few people will raise their hand. I said, okay, when you're going in a stressful situation, what do you do? And they'll say, oh, well, we combat breathe. I said, okay, so you meditate. Yeah because they don't realize that by lowering the heart rate, lowering getting the oxygen level up by breathing, makes a huge difference in life.
0: Yeah, when people are starting to feel stressed out, your breaths become shorter. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's it's harder to remember in the moment, but it, it translates to personal relationships too.
1: It does, yeah, it does. So if um, to start to get angry. Breathe. <laughs>
0: yes, yes. Take a moment. Take a few deep breaths and calm the situation a little bit. Uh, would you ever consider coaching as another income stream down the line? I know you got a lot on your plate already.
1: Yeah, I would. Um, I'd have to work things in, you know. Um, but I thought about it. I just—I'll be honest—I don't feel like I'm qualified.
0: Ah. Oh after 26 years and two books and a couple of keynotes here and there, I I think it's safe to say you're qualified.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, I I would consider that. What is,
0: um, what's your best ability right now or your greatest strength?
1: My greatest strength? Ooh, good question. Almost like a promotion interview. (laughs) Um, my my awareness of an experience with a great world i mean i'm not just one channel um, and one i'm not a a one horse show um, because i have experienced so many things in life that i um, i that and i and empathy and open and honest communication
0: which is also why I think you'd make a great coach for someone or great consultant. Um, (laughs) Now, my last question for you is just for fun. If you had a comic book superpower, like you could be like uh, the flash or Aquaman, Superman, Spider-Man, what would it be? And why?
1: (laughs) Oh man. Probably the invisible man
0: visible
1: yeah because i don't want i'm not a lot of bling and a lot of shine but i imagine how much information i could gather and that i could use to help others and benefit i mean as i go through um i think something like that would be help me understand things a little bit easier
0: yeah it's pretty cool glenn thank you so much for hopping on the show um i will Definitely keep in touch with you. Um, Good luck on your speaking engagements and good luck with the upcoming book. Glenn Williams, Bridging the Gap, available on Amazon. Look him up. All right. All right, family. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Everyone I interview, I've chosen for you guys because of their story. And I hope that you get some value every single time. If you did get value or just, just simply enjoyed the episode, please share the episode with someone that you know. If you know of a guest, a frontline hero that has an amazing story, something uplifting or a positive message, hit me up in the contact form of www.davidleith.com or DM me at Instagram at David Leith, the number one subscribe to the show because I have some really phenomenal guests coming up in the next few weeks that you definitely don't want to miss. All right, one.